Come enjoy the best brews in Tampa Bay at Dunedin Brewery. Known as Florida's oldest microbrewery, they are always working to create a unique variety of craft beers for every taste. In addition, Dunedin Brewery features a full menu, including everything from their famous wings, burgers, salads, flatbreads, and more. Don't forget about their live music, including the Wednesday Night Players Jam. That's Dunedin Brewery, 937 Douglas Avenue in downtown Dunedin. Visit them online at dunedinbrewery.com. You may be owed some money. After 911 and 411, call 541. That's 727 541 1741. Call Gulfstream Motorsports for a diminished value report. Due to my 28 years' experience in the auto salvage business, I'm very good with wrecks. So if your car's been involved in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call 727 541 1741. You may be owed some money for the lost value of your repaired vehicle. And visit us at GulfstreamMotorsports.com. Done, Commander Bond. You a double O. Two years. So stay in your lane. You get in my way. I will put a bullet in your knee. The one that works. I thought you two would get along. Name? Bond. James Bond. So you're not dead. Hello, Q. I've missed you. It's the most valuable asset this country has. If you feel yourself losing control, I'm not going to lose. Control. James, you gave up everything for her. When her secret finds its way out, it'll be the death of you. What is it? James Bond, license to kill, history of violence, I could be speaking to my own reflection, only your skills die with your body, mine will survive long after I'm gone. History isn't kind to men who play God.
pull a rabbit out of my hat. Again? Nothing up my sleeve. Presto! <laughs> no doubt about it. I gotta get another hat. Now here's something we hope you'll really like. Hey, good morning. This is Magnus Walker. I'm sat here at the Momo Tent at Rensport Reunion 5 at Laguna Seca. And you're listening to Nostalgia Radio on Cars. Rock on. Get out and drive. Cheers, man. Welcome, you're tuning into Nostalgic Radio Cars, and I'm, I'm me, I'm your show host, Robert. Don't forget to check out our website, GolfstreamMotorsports.com. Oh, no, run your computers in Google, Tantalk1340.com. Then go check out your computers in Google West, or what is it, uh, Nostalgic, uh, GolfstreamMotorsports.com. Uh, if you miss any of our past shows, don't forget to check us out on Golfstream. No, 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 no. Same website, GolfstreamMotorsports.com, but uh, Nostalgic Radio Cars. The archive page, or you can just simply Google Nostalgic Radio and Cars. You know what? It's the first of the year. This is actually the first show of the year. So, Happy New Year to everybody. And uh, there's just a lot of stuff going on. This is the month that pretty much, wow, it kicks off the car, uh, the collector car auction uh, madness. And uh, Meekums is going on right now as we speak, as we speak, literally. And uh, it started last uh, Thursday on the 2nd. I was there on Friday last week. Check it out for the first time. We will, uh, oh, yeah, I just got a text. NostalgicRadioCars.com. That's it. All right. Any rate, <laughs> um, uh, so I was at Meekum Auction, and uh, next week starts uh, Scottsdale Collector Car Week. And, again, more cars, more auctions, just some pretty amazing stuff. We've got a couple of interesting, real interesting guests coming on the show this evening, and uh, a couple of them were involved, are involved, and uh, – with the uh, collected car market and auctions, so uh, we'll get kind of a feel from these guys uh, where the market is going. Now, basically, you, you'll hear me saying this all the time. I always talk about, you know, if you're going to buy a car, buy a car because you like it. Don't go out there and buy something because you think it's going to be an investment. I mean, there are some cars that just naturally are. Shelby's bosses, you know, rare Jaguars, Mercedes, vintage race cars, uh, you know, Z28, certain cars, certain years, uh, limited production, certain colors. We can go on and on and on and on and on about that because I talk about it all the time. But buy the car because you like it. It puts a smile on your face. You can drive it. You can have fun. Just like you heard Magnus Walker here a few minutes ago say, drive your cars. Get out and drive them. Everybody says it. Haggerty, get out and drive them. Uh, Haycock Insurance, get out and drive them. We want you to drive them. I mean, it's nice to have a perfect car. And if you want to go to Pebble Beach one time with your car or Amelia Island or someplace like that, that's probably not a bad idea if you want to do it one time. But keep in mind, that's a show car. What you want, you want something just with a little edge to it, something you can drive and thrash on, something that will take you back to your – because a car, a vintage car, is a time machine. You want it to take you back to the good old days when you used to be out there beating on the streets. In fact, I was on screwing around on LinkedIn today because I check out LinkedIn and Facebook and all that other kind of stuff. And one of the comments on there was – or one little caption said something about uh, how many people street raced – and uh, if so, uh, where and when? And, of course, my response was, anywhere, anytime, at the sound of a rev or a chirp, which means, basically, as you're going down the road, which that's the way it was, Gulf to Bay, let's say, we'll use Clearwater here as an example, somebody go past you one direction, you're going the other direction, and then just go, boom, and then you go, boom, and then all of a sudden the guy would just, you know, dump the clutch a little bit and chirp a gear. That was just uh, basically an invitation to go street race, and that's what we did. Now, I'm not advocating street racing. I'm just saying back in the day, we did a lot of it. It was kind of cool, but we weren't stupid about it. We kind of kept our heads about it, and uh, street racing was a lot of fun. I mean, it's a spontaneous thing. Now, you know, they get a little out of control, but the cars are a lot faster. I mean, back then, if you had a 12-second car, which mine ran 12s, 
That was pretty fast, real fast. If you had an 11-second car, a 10-second car, that was mega fast. Today, that's slow. I mean, you got production cars out of the box that do, you know, 10, 11 seconds. So, you know, what can you do? I mean, the new Shelby is 10 seconds out of the box. I think Mustang's got some special thing they're working on. I'm not sure who built it, but they got one that just slid into the nines. You know, I mean, so it's not uncommon to find, uh, you know, eight, nine-second cars on the street these days. And uh, now you think about that. We ran 12s to go a second, to go from – 15 to 14, 14 to 13, 13 to 12, 12 to 11, and 11 to 10 seconds. That was a fast car. And uh, the fastest car I ever drove was a 10-second car. It was out at Sunshine Speedway. It was a 65 Mustang, kind of a pro street kind of car. And uh, it, uh, it, you know, slicks, dug in, bit, grabbed, car squatted, went one direction. It was an automatic, had a stutter box and all that cool stuff on it. And I wasn't used to that. I'm a four-speed guy. So this was an automatic. And I went, meh, 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 you know. I mean, hell, I couldn't even get the door closed or anything. I was still going down the track, slamming the door. And I still ran a high 10 or a low 11, whatever I ran at the time. But it was a 10-second car at any rate. But uh, let's see. What can we talk about? Okay. Let's go to the FLACarshows.com minute. FloridaCarshows.com, FLACarshows.com. That's where you want to go, particularly if you're in the state of Florida and you want to find out where all the cars are. So on the car shows and the events and stuff like that, let's say, for example, Lake Meekums is going on this week. Okay. So it's going to be on FLA Car Shows. Uh, if there's any car shows going on in Sarasota, if there's car shows going on in Miami, if there's car shows going on in Tallahassee, Pensacola, Jacksonville, they're all there at flacarshows.com. So check, go ahead and check that out. Next week, Scottsdale Collector Car Week. Seven auctions, okay? You've got Russo and Steel. You've got Barrett Jackson. You've got Bonhams. You've got Goodings. You've got Leak Auction. And you've got Worldwide. And then I think there's RM. That's seven auctions, okay? And in seven auctions, they'll probably have some around... I don't know, 3,500 cars. Meekums, 10-day auction, okay, from the 2nd to the 12th, and 4,000 cars. That's a lot of cars. We were over the other day, we were walking through the tents, and there was just a ton of cars in there, just a ton of cars, but cool stuff, pretty neat stuff. Most importantly, the Bullet Mustang. That's going to be auctioned off on Saturday. There's a slew of Shelbys, a bunch of race cars, some vintage stuff, some pretty amazing stuff, so check out Meekum.com. The end of the month, on January 31st, Second and first, second and yeah, first and second of uh, February, the Orlando International Guitar and Music Expo. We always go to that. You know, I'm a lousy musician. I like vintage guitars. I think guitars and cars are kind of like, uh, you know, they go together. And uh, so definitely check that out. Now, I think what we're going to do here because we got a couple of guests coming on this evening. And like I said, you've heard me talking about the auction. Now, here's the deal. January is always, you know, because we're in Florida, so we got some great weather here. So there's a lot of car stuff going on. I mean, we used to do the Silver Springs Mustang Show. They don't do that anymore. Um, Meekums used to be towards the end of the month. Scottsdale used to be in the middle of the month. Now Meekums is the beginning of the month, and Scottsdale still in the middle of the month. And so these auctions collectively now, depending on what these cars, you know, what they sell for, this is going to set the tone for the rest of the year. So whatever happens here in January. You're going to kind of get a pulse on, you know, where the market's going to go. Right now, my prediction is, mm, I'm going to say it's stable. It's leveling off a little bit. You know, obviously, the rarest of the rare is still going to bring crazy money. But the run-of-the-mill cars and the stuff that we like to buy, that we like to drive, that we like to have fun with, I think is a safe bet that they're going to be a little bit more affordable. And, uh, you know, so there'll be some, some buying opportunities. And there's always buying opportunities in an auction. 
And, uh, you know, we go to an auction, it's just, it's timing. You know, if you get there early in the day or late in the day when there's not a big crowd, when there's a feeding frenzy and there's a big crowd there, chances are you probably won't get a good deal. But if there's not a feeding frenzy and it's a little bit slow, you know, not a, not a big crowd, you get a good deal. So you got to be smart. you got to check out the cars and you got to look for those. Now, without further ado, I think what we're going to do is we're going to try to get our first guest on the show. Tommy is going to play some music for us, you know, because we always play music here. We're in the vintage stuff. And we're going to rattle off the uh, beginning solo before we get into the drum deal on Moby Dick by Led Zeppelin, for some reason I just that song just kind of sticks in my mind because I was at the uh, Tampa Bay Musicians uh, swap meet in Tampa Sunday over at the Big Top, and I was talking to some of the guys, and I was over there with my buddy Keith, and he's a musician, he's a guitar guy, but somebody picked up this little cymbals thing that uh, he was playing around with, and I go, why are you playing with that? He goes, well, you know, you ever listen to the song Moby Dick? And I go... Uh, yeah, he says, well, that's what John Bottom's beating on all the time. Ching, 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 ching. So I couldn't get it out of my head. So I think we're going to play Moby Dick. So uh, how do they say that? What do they say? Let, let's uh, drop the needle in the groove there, and let's uh, let's uh, play some music. Thank you. Tune in to Nostalgia Getting Cars. Don't touch that dial. We will be right back. for car shows? Then look no further than flacarshows.com. On your computer or on your mobile device, flacarshows.com is a comprehensive list of automotive events plus videos and news articles. Whether you're looking for car shows, cruise-ins, meetups, automotive festivals, cars and coffees, or anything else relating to an internal combustion engine, then this is a site for you. Check it out online or on your phone at flacarshows.com. Okay, we're back in the units in Nostalgic Green and Cars, and it's time to introduce my uh, first guest for the evening. A uh, good friend of mine, president and CEO of Russo & Steel. You hear me talking about Russo & Steel a lot? And next week is Scottsdale Collector Car Week. I'm delighted to welcome to the show this evening, Drew Alcazar. Drew, how you doing, buddy? 
Excellent, excellent. Uh, been on site all day, getting uh, four football fields of display tents in the air and uh, getting ready to rock and roll. We start check-ins this weekend. Of course, the auction is uh, going to be the 16th through the 19th of January. So our 20th anniversary is upon us. We're pretty excited. Well, now, Drew, you're at a new location this year. So tell us where your new location is. Well, great visibility. We're right on the North Loop 101 freeway, just east of Scottsdale Road. Uh, if you're driving along the North Loop in uh, North Scottsdale, pretty tough to miss. Uh, like I said, we've, we've got about 20 acres of event site uh, going up right there. Well, now let me ask you a question. Isn't that your original site? It is. Back home in Scottsdale. Well, let me tell you something. Drew, and this, and this is coming from my heart, I love you dearly. I think you do a great job. But I truly like your original spot. I think that was great. You're right there off Scottsdale Boulevard, right there off the interstate, right there where everybody asks, right up the street from Penske's Place. You can't miss the place. That's a great, great location. Visibility, when you go down the, was it the 51 or the 101? When you go around the loop there, it yeah, is so North perfect. North Loop 101. Yeah. Yeah, North uh, Loop 101, you know, the... The access is great. It's super easy to get in. Parking is is a breeze. Uh, yeah. You know, there's uh, you know the sites are like life. You know, there's nothing all one way. And uh, actually, uh, after being on hiatus for three years, uh, getting back here, uh, it felt good. Of course, with our 20th anniversary, uh, you know, there was some nostalgia there. I think as well. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, we've got uh, we've Josephine's doing her uh, gala welcoming party once again for a preview day on Wednesday the 15th that evening. We're uh, going to be uh, doing a gala that's going to be benefiting uh, the, the uh, children's hospital here in town. Mm-hmm. So uh, another uh, element that we uh, did back in the old days, and actually Phoenix Children's Hospital was our very first charity. So we've uh, sort of come full circle there as well. So lots of fun things with our 20th anniversary this year. Excellent. Okay, so now tell us about some of the highlights. What are some of the great, great, fantastic cars you got going through? Wow, we're uh, getting the catalog finalized now. It's off to the printer tomorrow. Uh, virtual catalog is online, so RussoAndSteel.com. You can check those out now. Uh, but wow, we've got uh, we've got some spectacular inventory. A little something for everybody, as always. You know, Russo and Steel. We we pride ourselves on having a nice variety of cars. Uh, you know, we're not all just uh, strictly the six figure and up or seven figure and up type cars. We've got everything in between. Uh, we've got uh, everything from a. Uh, spectacular downdraft Countach that uh, just reminds me of those days when you used to, you know, dream about the poster on your wall with the Alpine stereo and so <laughs> forth, uh, all the way to a, an original 1960s Myers-Banks dune buggy, still in the original gel coat of purple metal flake. Ooh, ooh, Wow. Now, are you going to bid on that? Because I know you're a collector of and a connoisseur of fine automobiles, and something as unusual and as rare as that, that's uh, in your wheelhouse, isn't it? <laughs> well, I've, uh, I've, been, I've been scratching my dune buggy fetish for a long period of time. Uh, I, I've been into dune buggies long before they uh, sort of kind of got into vogue. Uh, of course, uh, living on Lido Island in Newport Beach, uh, it, uh, it, it truthfully is the only car I've got in California is my dune buggy. There you but, go. Uh, no, I've already got mine. My granddaughter's already got dibs on it. Uh, I've taught all my grandkids how to drive uh, stick shift in the dune buggy. So uh, we're all set there. But this uh, this original Manx in the uh, purple metal flake original gel coat is going to be uh, a, a real prized collector piece. I think probably the... The, the purple, the orange, and the green metal flake are the three top colors, and uh, this one is just a spectacular restoration. Muscle cars. What do you got for muscle cars? Now, actually, before we go into that, give me your definition of a muscle car, truly. I mean, and, and, and just let it eat. 
<laughs> well, I think that's a probably a pretty broad stroke. I mean, yep. I think you could probably dump everything into a muscle car bucket, uh, you know, including uh, new, uh, you know, uh, ZL1 Camaro all the way back to Vipers, ZR1s, you name it. Uh, but 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 really truthfully, I think if you if you look at the definitive definition of the American muscle car, uh, there's a pretty much universal agreement that I think uh, the the Pontiac GTO sort of was was sort of the inception point. And that goes on, I think most people would agree, right around 74. You start getting much past that, and then the pedals kind of fell off the roads. Hmm. Uh, and Pontiac sort of was the entry door, and they were also the exit door. The, uh, the Super Duty Pontiac really, I think, is universally acknowledged as kind of being the final high-horsepower, uh, you know, V8 uh, kind of thing that happened prior to, of course, uh, you know, the, the fuel embargo and uh, the insurance, uh, you know, thing going falling apart uh, there in the mid-70s. So that really is the definitive uh, sort of bustle car era, I believe. Well, you know, it's funny because I've, I've had this, this, this debate with people, and I would say, just, just my thinking, just my perception, muscle cars, I think, 61, 62, 63, big motor Chevelle, uh, Chevrolets, big motor Galaxies, big motor Pontiacs, big motor Mopars, and then when you get into Mustangs and uh, Chevelle, well, not so much Chevelles, I'm not sure where they fit, but I guess you're right. GTO would still be a muscle car, too. But pony cars are really what you would categorize a Mustang, a, uh, a Barracuda, a Challenger, a Firebird, a Camaro. Would that be fair? I mean, do you look at it that way, too? I think so, yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of, a, again, sort of a broad-stroke framework. Uh, you, you realize quickly the the more uh, you, you play with all different types of cars and uh, the, the enthusiasm behind all of them, that the lines start to blur a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, between one definition or another. I think, uh, you know, it's pretty tough in the hobby to, uh, you know, be definitive about anything super-duper specific. But I think that's also part of the fun. That's part of the enjoyment that, uh, you know, we can all sit around and do a little bench race in there with, uh, you know, defining some of those kind of parameters. Everybody has kind of an opinion about it. You know, all of them have some great stories. That, mm-hmm. uh, you know, hey, this was the this was the first car that I stuck my foot into, and it you know just pushed me back in the seat, and uh, you know fried the tires, and you know that as a result, that's my definition of a muscle car. Give us your take on the market now. You know, we had kind of a I'm going to say it was a kind of a steady market last year. Where do you think we're going to go this year? I always talk about this, and I say, you know, January is kind of like the deciding month. You know, because you got all the auctions going on, and it's going to kind of set the tone for the rest of the year. And even in your seminars that you have at your uh, auction there, usually on like a Friday morning or something like that, mm-hmm. you've mm-hmm. even yeah, referenced. We're actually, yeah, we're, Barry McGuire is going to host it with us this year. Oh, super! Barry's a great guy. Yeah, it's going to be lots of fun. We're looking forward to having Barry on board with us. Uh, so we've got Tim. Uh, I think that's uh, I think Friday morning mm-hmm. is the uh, seminar with uh, Barry McGuire. So that's going to be lots of fun. So back to the market. What do you think? You know, it'll be interesting. I'm always uh, just as curious as everybody else. Okay. Um, you know, I think things uh, are, are still uh, you know fairly stable. Uh, you know, there was. Uh, there was some some interesting press uh, coming out of Monterey this year uh, with the absence of a couple of really big cars up in Monterey. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, you know people were talking about certain things, and I think the media maybe was uh, uh, a little bit uh, too early to jump the gun without really extrapolating into those numbers what uh, you know that data point really meant. You know, they, oh my gosh, you know we're down a hundred million in Monterey. Well, realize last year, you know there was a Ferrari GTO on deck, and I mean you know you sell one car for forty three million, and that can go ahead and skew your Oh, yeah. Medium price range dramatically one way or the other. So I think the thing that I talk about more often than anything about the market with people is to say, look, I, after what, gosh, 
35 plus years of sitting around the campfire doing nothing but collector cars because they're basically all I've never known how to do <laughs> is it, it's like gravity there's one thing that will will never fail um, is that really good cars great quality pedigreed outstanding restorations uh, you know stunning original cars uh, really good cars are always hard to find I don't care whether the market's up or the market's down it doesn't matter Good, good cars are always tremendously difficult to find. And so, you know, when you come to Scottsdale and you stick your head in the door at Russo and Steel and you see something that really strikes a chord with you and it's, uh, you know, the quality of the car is uh, is exceptional, uh, you know, my, my suggestion is, you know, buy it, don't look back. It's going to be the car in your collection 20 years from now that you'll still continue to covet. I, I've never been bashful to pay up for the right car. And so that's that's probably my best market advice. Is And, and, it, and that's pretty standard, Uh you know, I think, uh, you know, I've seen a lot of different changes in the collector car auction sort of uh, space of the hobby. As, as you know, mm-hmm. I've, uh, I've been in that capacity of producing uh, collector car auctions for 25 years. And, uh, you know, there's no question that there's been some wonderfully positive things. Uh, the increase in the value of the cars has been tremendous, which is great if you look at it, you know, in that long expansion of a 25-plus year sort of curve. Um, you know, and then there's been some things maybe that uh, necessarily here most recently, maybe in the last 10 years or so, that, that necessarily maybe haven't been all that good for the hobby. And I think one of those is an oversaturation of the marketplace. Um, you know, you look at a couple of auction houses and their sort of their quest for this global domination, hmm. uh, you know, to, as I call it, it's like Sam Walton, you know, let's just stack it high and sell it cheap. <laughs> um, you, know, you, you can't have an auction every single weekend somewhere. You've just capsized the market. Yes. And, you know, you got some of these houses that are now doing an auction every single month of 500-plus cars. And you just go, look, guys, I mean, it's like eating a chocolate eclair after you've had a banana split. You just can't <laughs> keep wolfing it down. And at some point in time, and I think we've seen that here recently, uh, certainly in the last you know, five years plus since 15 with some of that correction, that there is indeed uh, an oversaturation uh, of collector uh, auctions that are going on that, that no longer maintains some of that sort of special nature. I think it was, and truthfully, I think the people that are suffering the most are the sellers because, you know, we, Russo and Steel, for example, we only do three events a year, um, mostly because it's an extension of just Josephine and I's hobby. You know, we'd be playing with collector cars no matter what we were doing anyway. Um, you know, we, we vintage race, we rode rally, we Concord elegance. We're, we're playing with our collector cars, even if we weren't doing an auction. Uh, but, you know, we look at the three uh, locations in which it is that we have our shows, Scottsdale, uh, Monterey during Pebble Beach, and then, of course, uh, Amelia Island, which we added last year. And those are acknowledged without question as the three preeminent markets, at least in this hemisphere. And, and I think most importantly, it allows me to look my sellers in the eye. And, you know, they may have wanted a hundred grand for a car. You know, maybe the bid is at 87.5. Maybe the bid is at 187.5. But whatever the bid is in those locations, I can look at that seller right in the eye and go, there you go. That's the market. Mm-hmm. The market has spoken. And I just don't think you can do that in some of these 10 buck two places that some of these auction houses, you know, produce events. I just, I don't think you can genuinely look your clients in the eye and say, hey, look, the market has spoken and I'm getting you all the money. So, having said that, European cars versus American cars, would you say the market trends hold true for both? 
Uh, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, we've stuck true in, in 20 years to the Russo and Steel mantra of European sports, American muscle, hot rods, and customs. Mm-hmm. We've never deviated on that. Uh, you know, we, uh, we don't do uh, motorcycles. We don't do airplanes. <laughs> we don't do mopeds. You know? uh, we, 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 we really stick with that, uh, you know, that definitive sort of market sector. Um, you know, and it's, it's probably about two to one in Scottsdale, domestic versus uh, European. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can tell you that I think the European market uh, continues to probably have cars of traditionally higher value across the board, mm-hmm. uh, simply because there there's fewer of them. I mean, uh, E-Type Jags, um, uh, you know, on down the line, whether it be... Uh, Austin Haley's. Cobras, Austin Healy's, mm-hmm. they're just... You know, there there was there was infinitely more. I mean, they made a million and a half Mustangs in the first two years. You know, right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's it, it, it's hard to compete against that. I'm going to be. So I think um, you know it, it's always kind of a two to one factor. Although I, I think the the European the market continues to show some strength simply because to try and really find spectacular European sports cars has always been difficult just from a supply and demand issue where there's probably more, you know, Mustang, Camaros, and Challengers, and uh, Chargers, and Cudas, and whatnot. I'd like that here uh, in this country as a result. So that's kind of one of my take on things. Okay. Well, Drew, why don't you go ahead and give out the information real quick on Russo and Steel. So for those uh, listeners, including myself, that are probably going to find their way out there in Scottsdale next week, uh, tell, tell them how they can get to get to you. All right, all right. Shameless plug time. Here we yes. go. Russo and Steel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hitting our 20th anniversary. Uh, again, we're right off the North Loop 101 freeway in North Scottsdale, right off Scottsdale Road. Yeah, it's going to be tough to, for you to miss our tents. If yep. you're knocking around up there and you're lost, uh, boy, you better, you're blind in one eye and can't see out the other. So, uh, you know, make your way over. We're, we're actually going to be starting check-in here on Saturday. Uh, and we invite all of our clients to uh, stop over and uh, get registered early. I could get you in. We'll get you your, your bidder's credential. We'll get you your parking pass. So, uh, you know, come Wednesday when we open up for preview on January 15th, you can just breeze right in. It's easy peasy, and you're prepared to have fun. Uh, auction, of course, is going to be uh, the 16th through the 19th. Uh, gates open at 9 a.m. every single day. And uh, we're going to be on the auction block until about 10 p.m. with the dock that we have here, a great group of cars. I think we're running a herd of about just shy of 600 right now, so probably a few late breakers will make their way in still. Uh, but we'd love to have you. All of the uh, information you need is on the website, com. We've got our virtual catalog there. You can check out the featured cars, listings, look at some great photography of the cars that we've got coming up. But, uh, you know, I get that comment a lot from people. They go, ah, you know, I'm not going to be buying a car. I say, no, 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 you're missing the point. That's not Russo and Steel. It's about having fun and the camaraderie of the enthusiasts. So we invite everybody to come out uh, and enjoy the show with us and uh, be part of it. So by all means, mark your calendars there, January 16th through the 19th, Russo and Steel in North Scottsdale. Absolutely. And don't forget, why don't you give a plug for the guys that can't make it to Scottsdale, Arizona, Amelia Island in March. Go ahead and give that one out too real quick, Drew. Well, that's uh, that's our new uh, dark horse run in there, Amelia Island, coming up in March. Uh, of course, just south of uh, Jacksonville, there, Amelia Island. They, I think, they're still debating whether they're Florida or Georgia down there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, my friend Bill Warner uh, doing his spectacular concord there at Amelia Island has really created a, a, just a, a fabulous sort of a synergy, second really only to uh, Pebble Beach in terms of the quality and variety of cars 
that you see on the Concord lawn there, and it's uh, it's a spectacular time to uh, you know to be in South uh, South Georgia, North Florida, and to be enjoying it. Of course, Russo and Steel will be there. We actually shut down one of the runways at the Fernandina Beach Airport, so uh, our auction is right there on the tarmac. So if you uh, if you want to you know come in on your G five, we'll pull you right up to the front door. <laughs> You got it. All right. Well, Drew, I'll see you next week. In the meantime, thank you very, very much. Best of luck, and I look forward to celebrating the uh, 20th with you. It's going to be tremendous. Look forward to seeing everybody here. Thanks so much. All right. See you. Bye-bye. Tommy, why don't you go ahead and fire up another uh, turn up table song there real quick, and let's get our next guest on for the evening, and then uh, let's talk a little bit more about what's going to go on and take place in Scottsdale, Arizona. You're tuned into Nostalgic Reading Cars. We'll be right back with more auction goodies. On an episode of Cribs and a bathroom, I can play baseball in. And a king size tub big enough for 10 plus me. So, what you need? I'll need a, a credit card that's got no limit. And a big black chair with a bedroom in it. Gonna join the mile high club at 37,000 feet. Been done that. I want a new tour bus full of old guitars. My star on Hollywood Boulevard Somewhere between Cher and James Dean is fine for me So how you gonna do it? I'm gonna trade this life for fortune and fame I'd even cut my hair and change my name Cause we all just wanna be big rock stars And live in hilltop houses driving 15 cars The girls come easy and the drugs come cheap Well I'll stay skinny cause we just want This is Richard Rawlings from Gas Monkey Garage, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. So get you some of that. Okay, we're back, and you're tuning in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. It's time to introduce our next special guest for the evening. And speaking of rock stars, this guy's kind of uh, pretty close to it. He's a musician. He's a good friend of mine. He's the president and CEO of Motorvax Marketing. I'm delighted to welcome back good buddy of mine, also from Scottsdale, Arizona, Darren Roberts. Darren, how you doing, buddy? Hey, how are you? Pretty good. So, uh, what has Darren been up to? How's uh, MotorWorks marketing working out? Well, uh, we're, we grew like crazy this last year. It's easily our most successful year. Uh, had some challenges like any new business does, but uh, all things considered, we got a lot to be thankful for going into 2020. Okay. Now, tell us a little bit about what MotorWorks marketing does. What's your uh, main focus? Well, we are an all-encompassing uh, marketing and creative agency uh, in the specialty collector and classic automotive space. Uh, we offer consulting, we do uh, ads, we do TV commercials, radio, uh, 
anything from phone systems all the way up and down you can think of, we offer every service imaginable for this particular industry. Okay. You've been at this for a while. It's funny, we just had uh, Drew on a few minutes ago from Russo and Steel, and you used to be the PR guy for Russo and Steel. So I thought, wow, that's a perfect match. I'm going to have Drew on, then I'm going to have you on. You've kind of uh, you know, moved on to bigger and better things. So uh, give us your take on the, uh, on the upcoming market here in Scottsdale Collector Car Week. Well, I think the main focus for this particular upcoming series of events needs to be the future. Okay. Um, I think the big-ticket cars are probably going to do somewhat similar things to what they did in Monterey this year. Mm -hmm. But I think what we really need to watch is where the market is moving and uh, how quickly it's moving in that direction. Uh, We predict, and what I'm telling my clients to heavily invest in right now is things like resto mods, uh, 90s and 80s cars, uh, JDM, that type of thing. Things that, uh, that that potentially have some legs moving forward that may not have necessarily been on people's radars over the past decade or so. Do you cater to, because you slipped in there and I heard the word investors. So, and I always, I'm, I understand the investing side of it, but I also kind of say, well, you know, buy what you want because you really like it because if worse comes to worse and no matter where the market goes, at least you have a car that you like when, when it's all said and done. But I think what you're, where you're going with this is you're talking about a generational shift that's going on. And that well, naturally I think the generational shift is a factor, certainly. Right. But I mean, I, and I think with that, general, uh, that generational shift, what we're seeing is exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. People right now are buying things that they like, and that's what happens when you begin to build momentum towards the next big market shift is people are not necessarily concerned with you know, how much money can I make on this? They buy what they want, creates a supply and demand situation, and the next thing you know, all of a sudden, these cars start shooting up in value. So I think the generational shift has started. It's just how quickly it, it continues and which direction it, it maintains moving forward. And again, I think if you look at sort of traditional factors like nostalgia and, and what people wanted to drive when they were younger and so on and so forth, I mean, we're talking, you know, 90s cars, you know, Testarossas and, and 308s and, and 348s all of a sudden seem to be really, really popular with a certain group of, of, of new collectors that are coming. And plus, we're talking Fox Body Mustangs and IROC Camaros and things that were sort of traditionally taboo for investors now are all of a sudden start pique people's interest, plus all these amazing offerings from the early 90s that uh, Japan was producing, Supers and 3000 GTs and, and RX-7s and that type of thing. Um, all of a sudden now we're, we're seeing the market start to pay more and closer attention to cars that were considered to be used cars up until recently. And I think that that really speaks to where collectors are now and who's entering the market and who is interested in maintaining and staying in the marketplace longer term. Do you see, when we talk about generational shift, do you see a younger audience and uh, younger people buying into this? I mean, I know you're talking about the, you know, the late 80s and 90s cars, um, but there's a lot of, you know, it's kind of like I'm in my 60s, for example, but I still appreciate cars out of the 50s, maybe some of the 30s and 40s cars. So even though I, I might still have an interest in cars that are before my time, so to speak, do you see that happening with these up and coming buyers and are they moving in that direction as well? Oh, without question. I mean, and I think I think we have to look to popular culture and specifically video games for that. For okay. example, I think muscle cars have much longer term appeal than than traditional sort of trend cars have had in the past, and that that's because of things like Fast and the Furious and Need for Speed and and, and games like that, where those cars were pr- predominantly featured. Okay. And as a result, they, I mean, and they're fun to drive and they're cool and they and you know they have a they have a stigma about them that that makes them appealing to younger buyers, kind of no matter what. 
So, I mean, and I think that's, that speaks to why Scottsdale is so important this year, is if we can continue to see things like muscle cars maintain their value, if not grow even further, that says kind of where you need to be looking towards the future. But from my perspective, muscle cars are here to stay, and that's largely the reason why. You know, and uh, to your point, I was looking at some of the uh, cars that are being offered by RM and Gooding and Bonhams, for example. They are cars of the 90s and 80s. And they are newer cars, and they are probably what you and I consider. Well, no, you're a little younger than me, so you probably – it's more your generation that's kind of in this market sure. right now. My guys are kind of like having a hard time adjusting to this a little bit. But I see – but but keep in mind, guys, my age, pretty much we have what we wanted, where we want. So we're done. We're kind of like out of the market, unless we're making lateral moves into something else. So, you know, I had one of those ones. I kind of like to get another one again. But I don't see sure. guys like myself buying the newer cars. But what I am, what I am seeing, to your point, and I'm welcoming it, is a younger generation buying those cars and creating this new market for those 90s and uh, 80s, 90s, and early 2000 cars. Well, I think that that marketplace is, is sort of undeniably being proven right now. I mean, mm-hmm. if you look at things like Radwood or websites like Petrolicious, or I mean, even you know, scroll through your uh, your discovery feed on Instagram, you're starting to see a tremendous amount of things like that. You have six series BMW, you know, one ninety Mercedes, you know, things of that nature. You know, you know the eighties and nineties Porsches, the nine sixty fours, for example, are shooting up in value right now. So. You know that 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 speaks directly to that particular sort of side of things, and there is a backbone for that that keeps the, the passion and the momentum continuing to move forward. So I think I think that the, the, the pieces and the building blocks are there. It's just whether or not the financial side of it can keep up. And part of that has to do with the fact that you know during the recession, people my age, for example, lost a good you know eight to ten years of discretionary earning years. So. The question is, I, I don't think the desire is necessarily the issue. It's whether or not people can separate themselves from their money to the point where they can find a means to go in that direction. And I think that's why Arm and Bonhams and Gooding, for example, are so readily appealing to this young-timer trend that we see now. Is If you look at kind of the, you know, the cool guy L.A. scene kids and that type of stuff, that's what those guys are driving. Mm-hmm. They're driving the cool 80s cars. They're driving Alphas. They're driving DeLoreans, things of that nature. And and that's you know that's kind of where the bar is being set right now. I mean, we don't necessarily have a Steve McQueen for our generation, for example. So that's sort of where people look. They look to social media influencers, and those are the types of cars that social media influencers are are interested in. I mean, I saw a rap video the other day that was all JDM, like really well done JDM. You know, uh, yeah, you know, FD3 RX7s and things like that were predominantly featured in that. And that's something I didn't really think was going to be a thing this quickly. And now we're starting to see that, and that just speaks to the direction that the marketplace is headed. Let me ask you this. Do you ever get out to SEMA? And if you do, have you noticed the age of the builders and how wild? I mean, it's like every year you go to SEMA, the bar is set higher and higher and higher. And even though we still have Chip and we still have uh, Dave Kendig and we have Troy and we have, uh, you know, Steve Strope and people like that, they're building some amazing stuff. These new kids that are coming up, because I spent some time talking about it, they got some pretty wild, wicked stuff coming up. And they're just, uh, you know, and they're in their late 20s, early 30s, they're equally as good. And they're perpetuating that kind of hot rod, modern day, you know, uh, custom, cool, pro street, pro touring type kind of car, and and I see that moving. Um, I, I see that g- gaining some legs, some some you know, it's it's taken off. Is that your observation as well? Well, SEMA is always sort of an extreme example of everything, and the fact of the matter is, those are display cars more than anything. They're designed to prove exactly what everybody you know, everything that anybody can do within a ten foot by ten foot space or whatever. But mm-hmm. I do largely agree with that statement for sure. I mean, the passion is definitely there. 
And at the end of the day, it's all hot rotting. And I think this is sort of where maybe there's a little bit of miscommunication between the generations is that, you know, whether it be a Honda Civic or a 32 Ford or a 57 Chevy or 70 Nova or whatever, we're all t- doing the same thing. We're taking affordable cars that are accessible and we're turning them into something extreme. Mm-hmm. And it's, at the end of the day, it's all hot rotting. So, I mean, if you want to talk about the future of that particular segment of the, of the industry, I think it's really safe. You know, I mean, hot rodding is something that, that millennials and, and younger and uh, younger Gen Xers and so on and so forth are really, really invested and interested in, in perpetuating. So, you know, from my perspective, the hot rod world is changing, but it's certainly safe. And I think that's something we should all be celebrating. Now, let me ask you this. This is a question us old fogies are all concerned with. Who, if the generation shift does take place, and is it mo- and it will, it's inevitable. That's just the way it is. I mean, I'm not really a Model T guy. I look back now, I'm more interested in the Model T now as an old guy than I was when I was a young guy, and it was like, man, that's really an old guy's car. So do you see <laughs> that parallel there? In other words, like, because, you know, you talk to Mikhail Haggerty, and you talk to Kenny, and you talk to some of these other guys, and then they're all worried about, and Barry McGuire and people like that, to go, how do we get these younger kids that do have an interest in cars interested in the old stuff that we had? Or do you think they're going to go through that period like we did, go 10, 20 years, and then go, you know what, those weren't such a bad old car after all. I'm kind of like, you know, how many more Mustangs and Camaros can I look at? Maybe I should start looking at Model A's and Model T's and Duesenbergs and Auburns and Cords and, you know, heavy American classics. I mean, do you see that kind of twist in there? Well, I think there's a progression there also that, that has kind of been proven over the years, and I think you're sort of touching on it there. Um, if you look at things like resto mods and, mm-hmm. and a lot of rat rods and stuff like that, like the interest in that era of cars is there, but everybody's young and they're wild and they're doing creative, crazy stuff, whereas as they get into the, into the hobby a little further and maybe their financial portfolios increase or whatnot, they will begin to look at these cars in their original form, and that's when the restorations are going to start to occur. So... You know, I, I think that it, in those particular eras of cars, the interest remains there with, with the younger generation. It's just a matter of them not being ready for Pebble Beach yet. So will that happen? You know, could be, could not be. But my best, my best guess is it's probably something that we'll see probably 10, 15 years down the line. Now, from a marketing perspective and a marketing company, do you – what areas – I mean, what do you focus on primarily? I mean, what is like uh, – and I know there's some things because you have a dis- non-disclosure with some of your special clients and stuff like that. But what would be, in a broad sense, kind of like some of the areas that you focus on and who, and uh, who we do, do you everything. support? Okay. We do everything. Yeah, I mean, we do print ads. We do TV stuff. Uh, we we build people's phone systems. We do their websites. We do. Um, we don't do a ton of PR work, but we do do some. Okay. Um, you know, we do a lot of, uh, of a lot of branded content work, uh, digital advertising, social media management. We're a full service agency. Okay. Now, if you had to, can you tell us? Is there a particularly brand that would be recognizable that you could talk about a little bit? I mean, share with us like some of your clients would. I mean, that are kind of well known that that you can talk about. Well, we we certainly have those, but one of the reasons that people like to hire us is that we're not out there waving our flag okay. around, sending out e blasts, updating people on our clients. We are we're very discreet. Okay, and that's one of the appeal that uh, appeals that that uh, that our company presents is that the majority of the people that are sort of in that realm that you're talking about, you would assume that they have in-house marketing teams when, in fact, it's actually us doing it, but nobody really? knows it. So okay. we pretty much survive off referrals. I mean, we've got 42 clients around the industry right now, and I would say our in-house marketing efforts maybe produced 10 of them. And of that, it was you know hand, you know handshakes, face-to-face kind of stuff, me getting on a plane and going to see people. 
Um, the majority of it is, you know, somebody says that they like us or that they like something that uh, one of our clients was doing. They say, oh, hey, MotorWorks did this for us. And then, you know, our phone rings two days later. And next thing you know, we're, uh, we're putting together a campaign for, for that company. So uh, we don't necessarily feel that we need to go out there and sort of say, hey, look at us. We did all this stuff for these people. I know that some companies do that, and that's their forte, and that's great mm-hmm. for them. But we are very discreet. Um, especially for the high end of the market, we know how, how discreet people like to be and how private they are with the particular sales that they do. Uh, we sort of like to carry that over into the marketing world, too. So we, we are very respectful of our clients' privacy. Okay, good. Well, let's change the subject here for a little bit. I, I, I used the term, the little cliche about rock star earlier because we played the Nickelback song. You are a former musician, and you're still an active musician. So give us a little background on yourself from a musical standpoint. Let's talk a little bit about guitars. Well, uh, I've recently decided I want to learn how to play blues guitar, okay. and to be perfectly honest, it's going very poorly. <laughs> um, I assumed that, hey, you know what, I can play death metal and punk rock and all this other stuff that is much more technical than blues is, but when, the fact, when it kind of breaks down to it, the difficulty between those two genres is that, for example, if you're playing a metal lead, the idea is to put as many notes as you can into a small space as possible, whereas with blues, it's exactly the opposite. You want to put the right notes in, and you want to hold them, and that type of stuff. So it's sort of like having to relearn the entire process right now, which is interesting. And, of course, you know, I don't have these super slim neck guitars that are like, you know, driving a Ferrari F40 around or something (laughs) like that. I'm I'm doing Les Pauls and Fender Strats, which are like driving muscle cars. So, I mean, from a... Some, from a sort of a physical standpoint, it's it's kind of uh, like reinventing the wheel as well. But it's something I'm really, really enjoying right now, for sure. And it, it's definitely kind of broadening my horizons and making me approach music in a different manner, which is something that's very refreshing. Now, I'm going to ch- change the subject. Well, I'm going to stay on the same subject. But, you know, Meekum, because they're in Kissimmee right now, so that's just, you know, a couple right. hours away from me. He's, they actually, and I was joking with John Kramer, because Kramer's their PR guy, or their, uh, you know, the mouthpiece for him. You know, he's their, uh, their announcer and everything like that. Well, he's also a musician as well. He's a band guy. And he's like Vinny Guitars. He's in the Jaguars. So I joked with him one time on the show, and I was talking about, well, you know, since you guys are auctioning off everything else, why don't you just do a, go ahead and do a uh, guitar auction? Well, this year, they're doing a guitar auction. They got classic and antique mm-hmm. cars there. They got a couple of Mustangs. They got a couple of Les Pauls. And they got a uh, Firebird, a couple, some other weird stuff over there. And then they got the run-of-the-mill guitar. So where do you see, because I know you're into guitars as well, where do you see the guitar market going? Um, I mean, I think you've got your standards, just just like anything else. I mean, mm-hmm. your your fifties uh, and and sixty early sixties Les Pauls, Telecasters, and Stratocasters are your sort of Enzo era Ferraris of that mm-hmm. world. Um, where I'm seeing things jump now, and I've got a particular guitar that is turning out to be worth a whole lot more money than I thought, which is sort of unusual. Um, is eighties shred guitars? Really, uh, Ibanez gems are starting to become popular. If you notice, Adam Levine played one during the Super Bowl halftime show last year. That was a big eye opener. Uh, I have a purple uh, custom Jackson Rhodes that I thought was just going to be a paperweight forever, and now every time I bring it out, everybody freaks out, and they like it way better than they like my custom shop Stratocaster. <laughs> so, um, I mean, I think, you know, I, th- I think that, the, again, there's always going to be those standards that are, uh, that are, that are the, you know, the, the gold standard of, of collectability, which, again, is your, your Les Pauls and your SGs and the S335s, <laughs> you know, and all the Fender products and so on and so forth, but... You know, that there's always going to be additions to that, and that and that collectible field continues it continues to grow. So I'm seeing, you know, custom shop uh, ESPs from the late '80s, early '90s, um, Jacksons. Uh, any any neck through body Jackson is, uh, is is desirable right now from that particular era. 
Uh, again, the Ibanez Gems or any of the signature models, the Frankie Gambales or the Joe Satriani models are seeming to be interesting. Now the John Petrucci models are another one that, uh, that people seem to be really gravitating toward, at least, at least online right now. Um, so, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's era stuff. It's, you know, something that somebody saw that's now retro and cool that when you play it, it, it presents a different image of what you're trying to do or, or, or how you're trying to appear when you're either on stage or playing. Plus, these guitars sound radically different from each other. So it offers a bit more diversity as well, and it still allows you to be a connoisseur. So, but, well, yeah, I'm seeing a lot of people that I would have never expected before collecting a lot of things I would have never expected before. And again, it's like these pointy metal guitars from the 80s. <laughs> well, Darren, we are just about up against the clock, so I want to you know, thank you for coming on the show a little bit. Look forward to seeing you out there. You're, I'm sure you're going to be hanging out at all the auctions and stuff like that. So, But why don't you go ahead and give out your social media uh, one more time, and then uh, we'll say goodbye. Best place to find me is go to www.motorworks, M-O-T-O-R-W-E-R-K-S, marketing.com. Or you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm a big LinkedIn guy. Mm -hmm. uh, just look for me, Darren Robert's there. And uh, that's the best place to find me. Well, and then uh, did you ever get your, uh, what were you looking for? You were looking for a Triumph or something like that? Or did you get an MGB GT or what did you get? Because I know on your mm -hmm. website there's well, uh, yeah, I uh, I kind of went I kind of went alpha crazy oh, uh, alpha last crazy. year. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and uh, it my, well, long story short, I was about three weeks away from had uh, doing a, finishing a full restoration on a Series Two Spider, which is the one I like the best. You know, shoot me, I don't like the Duetto as well. <laughs> um, and then it was destroyed in a construction accident at my house, so it is now about a month away from being completely re-restored for the second time in two years. Wow. So uh, hopefully uh, I'll have it at the Fountain Hills Concours in Arizona here in, in a few weeks, and that's when the first time everybody will see it. All right. Well, Darren, you take care. I'll see you in Scottsdale next week. Thanks for coming on the show. You indeed. Happy see New Year. Too. Happy New Year to you. You too. Hey, everybody. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to Nostalgic Winning Cars. Don't forget, every Tuesday night here on the Tad Talk Radio Network, you can hear some of the most fascinating legendary names in motorsports. We've got some really great stuff coming up for you this year, so be sure and tell your friends. Don't forget to check out our website, GolfStreamMotorsports.com, where you can find out all about us. And follow us on our social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I think we're on that kind of stuff. Anyway, in the meantime, everybody, stay safe, drive carefully. I want to see you at some of the car shows, and love your family. WTAN, Clearwater, FM 106.1, WDCF, Dade City, FM 102.3, WZHR, Zephyr Hills, FM 104.3. Listen.